0: Ah, book by book. Here we are in the final study that we're conducting in this particular series on 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. I'm Richard Buse, joined here by Paul Black, Dr. Paul Blackham, and who was from Lancashire but now living in Wales, and now by Nancy Guthrie from Nashville, Tennessee, who's our special guest. And we're joining together for this final study now as we come to study number six in 1 Samuel and... Uh, Chapters 26 to 31, that's quite a lot to cover actually. Join us, open your Bible if you've got a Bible with you, whether you're in a small group or in a big church or whether you're just watching the TV screen, whatever. And I'm going to read then a bit from chapter 28 actually, verses three to eight. Now Samuel was dead and all Israel mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and the spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistines' army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so that I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and the two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. That's a bit sombre as we think about it. Saul consulting a medium. Let's go back a little bit, however, to chapter 26 first. Why another story do you see here of David sparing Saul's life in verse 7 onwards when... Abishai says to his, his general says, let me pin Saul to the ground, he's asleep now. Just one thrust, I won't strike him twice. Mm. And David says, ah, don't destroy him. Now, what lies behind this? Why another story, another story sparing Saul's life?
1: Well, it's reminding us again, this isn't just some sort of soap opera in an ancient kingdom (laughs) of the ancient world and power struggles and things like that. David, all the time, is seeing that Saul it's not just about Saul but about this divine king the Lord the Christ you know the divine Christ and it's about him and the the way that he will come and be the king and all that so Saul represents him even though David is like oh Saul's trying to kill me and Saul's made a mess yeah but Saul nevertheless has that role that office in the kingdom of the Christ the anointed one and david knows this if i you i can't like have him killed without doing dishonor to the Christ in a way mm-hmm. he, so he has like a respect for Saul and protects his life so that it's not about him seizing power, as we were thinking about, not about him. It's always gotta be about the Christ, the Lord, the divine King. So in a way, all the time when David's doing that, he's kind of doing the real job that he's to do, which is to bear witness all the time. And he's like, no, I don't wanna be someone who undermines the the Lord's anointed. I'm gonna protect him and honor him all the time. And it's really about the big message
0: we're learning a lot from David at this point. He's limbering up, really, to become king, mm-hmm. steadily. Uh, actually, as we look at on to chapter 27, we find that he's escaped to the land of the Philistines. You see it there, verse 2. David and the 600 men with him left and went over to Akish, son of Maok, king of Gath. So he's escaping to the land of the Philistines and... What lies behind his secret missions to wipe out the Amalekites? What do you think Nancy?
2: Yeah, he, even though uh, at the end of chapter 26, Saul has said, uh, you know, okay, I'm I'm not gonna lay a hand on you. We we get a picture into what's going on in David's thoughts in verse one of chapter 27. He thinks to himself, one of these days, I'm gonna be destroyed by the hand of Saul. So he, evidently he's there because he, Feels a lot of fear. But yet while he's there, he situates himself wisely. He tells the uh, king of the Philistines, he says, well, I'm going to be in this city and I'm going to be looking out for you guys. I'm going to go and make all these raids on these enemies. But it would seem that really what he has in mind is fulfilling the command Mm. that was given to the people of God even before they came into the land hundreds of years before, which where there were all of these Canaanite people groups that the Lord had said, you need to d- devote for d- to destruction. Mm-hmm. You as the people of God are going to be my tool to remove from my holy land, these people who deserve judgment. And yet these many hundreds of years later, they still haven't been removed. And so though, David has convinced the king of the Philistines that he is looking out for them and that he's now one of them. What he actually seems to be doing is still working for God's people. He's still continuing to make raids and uh, Mm -hmm. to wipe out uh, the enemies of the Lord's people. That's what he continues
0: to do. That straightens it out. Don't you think Paul quite a lot? That straightens out the story. Yes. A great deal for us. Actually then we come on to chapter 28. And here is Saul, uh, f- afraid for his life, and then he goes to the medium at Endor. Mm. And consulting this medium, this lady, evidently the medium is aghast, in verse 12, mm. when the person who comes up is Samuel.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. Now, it's,
0: why she is she so aghast? Well, I... It must be a reason. Yeah,
1: there is a reason, because I... But I don't think she's actually begun to do any of her, like, mumbo-jumbo stuff. No. I think she... because she thinks maybe she has some power or things with demons and unclean spirit. but none of, they, none of those arrive, because sometimes people think maybe it is an unclean spirit. No, the Bible says it's Samuel. And suddenly it's as if the Lord's like, I'm in charge here. And I will let Samuel speak one last time. I mean, it's not
0: like un, not unlike Moses and Elijah uh, being uh, coming back into the transfiguration scene. in the Gospels,
1: that's right. There's another time, so we know it can happen if the Lord allows it, in the Lord's control, not because the witch thinks so, the witch can't bring Samuel back or Moses or Elijah or anybody, but the Lord has absolute control. There is this divine King again, who's in control way beyond Saul or the witch or even David or anybody. The Lord's really in control. And I think that's the, the, the really sad thing, isn't it, with Saul? He's come to a point where he's seeking wisdom from the dead. And this, the only help he's had from spirits is that unclean spirit that's ruined him and made him a fool and behave completely stupidly all the time. And now he's consulting dead and things. And it's like the prophets say, why consult the dead when you can consult the living God who wants to help you and give you wisdom? That's what Saul's come to. This witch is just caught in all that and she's way out of her depth because it is the living God who's really working here. Exactly,
0: yeah. And uh, actually, of course, we're warned all of us who have any thought of serving the Lord warned against any occult business, any attempt to consult the dead or anything like that. There's superstition, of course, plain and simple, which we've got to avoid. There's also fortune-telling, though, in about 30 different forms, you know, pendulum swinging and divining rods, astrology, and all the rest of it. Or there's magic in about 18 different forms, including healing magic, which is not on, not even healing magic. Or spiritism in many different forms, you know, glass moving, table moving. The Ouija board all the rest know where to cut all of that out during the war again as we go on to chapter 29 between israel and the philistines it was war david is not allowed to fight with his protector achish and the philistines there must be a reason for that. Why is that important, do you think, Nancy?
2: Yeah, back we, we left him back in mm-hmm. chapter 27. Yeah. He's there under Achish, this Philistine leader, yeah. but he's got his own kind of city where he's making raids against Israel's enemies. But he's convinced this Philistine leader that he's with them. So much so that when uh, the Philistines are going to go into battle against the people of God, against Israel, uh achish says well you know david you come with us because he's convinced david his loyalty has now gone to the philistines of course it hasn't but he thinks it has but seems like a smarter guys in his group they've said wait a minute i don't think we want david with us when we're i mean he's going to turn on us at the end yeah. and but really, once again, it's the Lord at work behind the scenes. Because all along, David has been so solid. He is not going to touch the, the Lord's anointed. Mm. He is not going to be the person who ever touches or uh, kills King Saul. Mm. And so he, it's provided for that they say, you can't go and be a part of this battle. Because in this, this is the battle in which Saul's life is ended and not just Saul's but sadly Jonathan's as well. Mm. So it's so wonderful that David is not a part of that story. He has a clean conscience and it's just clear all along he has never had a part. Once he is raised to be king, never has he been a part of grabbing that for himself. Mm. But in fact, he's been protected from being a part of that battle.
1: Brilliant.
0: yeah. It is brilliant. Again, now, again, more and more, our focus is coming on David. And in chapter 30, here are David and his men now rescuing their people from the raging Amalekites. When you look at verse 21 there, David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow him, and so forth. So we can learn something further, I'm sure, about David as the Lord's anointed once again here.
1: No, it's true. And he does go and finish the job of destroying the Amalekites, which has been on the table for all these chapters, and he's done the job. And then it comes to what to do with all this plunder they've got. And there's this interesting thing where his men kind of want to do things the way the world would do it and say, hey, we earned it. So it's ours. And those are the people who were too tired and couldn't get involved, they don't get any. And David's like, no, no, hang on a minute. The Lord's the one who's done all this. He's given us the victory. He's given us this. Everyone gets a share. Everyone gets a share. The whole church family, in a way, gets to share in what we've been given by the Lord. I think that's a hugely powerful way. It's like in Deuteronomy 15, four, where it's like, there shouldn't be any needy among you. Share what the Lord's given you so that everybody's got some. And then of course we might think about in Acts chapter two, the way that the church did that, didn't they? Shared everything they got. No one was left out just because they were too weak Didn't, oh, you can't have any, you're too weak. No, that's not the way of the Lord. That's not the way of his Christ. That's the way of his people. Everyone gets some, everyone gets included. And that is that lovely way in which David makes sure everyone gets a share. And he even like sends it out to people in Judah and everything, doesn't he? So he's like, no, let's bless everybody. Whether they did hard work or whether like in Jesus' parable, they only came at the very end of the day and hardly did anything. Doesn't matter. Everybody gets an equal share. I think there's something quite powerful in that.
0: Very much so. I mean, uh, actually, as we, we're nearly, nearly at the end now, in fact, we are at the end as we come to chapter 31. The message of the life of Saul as he dies under the Philistines. I mean, that's terrible because we see his death here when he's killed on the mountain of Gilboa along with uh, Jonathan and, uh, of course, a great defeat. What's the message of, of Saul? And how can we summarize the sort of overall message of of, uh, 1 Samuel as we now close off?
2: You know, we began this study of 1 Samuel hearing uh, Hannah's prayer. And -hmm. if you remember, she said, it is not by strength that one prevails. Here's Saul, this one who looked so strong. Mm -hmm. That's why they wanted him to be their king. Mm -hmm. Uh, She said, those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. Now we see it you know, Saul has refused God's word. He's refused to obey. He has been shattered. He will, he will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. But she also said there at the beginning in her prayer, he will give strength to his King and exalt the horn of his anointed. And so we've seen in this chapter of first Samuel, the ultimate futility of human power and strength. That's all Saul has had to rely on because he refused to listen to the word of the Lord. Mm. And yet we say that we have also seen that God has been committed to raise up his anointed to be king over his people. We'll see even more of that in 2 Samuel as we go along here. But we see that ultimately the kind of king that we want, the kind of king people want, we tend to choose for ourselves, one like everybody else the nation has, that is, has that is failed. And instead, the Lord has sustained and is raising up his anointed. His anointed.
0: That's been the theme, his anointed. And uh, actually, we must thank you very much indeed, Nancy. Thank you. Oh, Paul and I would like to thank you for sharing with, you. with us in this Bible study. We're looking forward, of course, to 2 Samuel with you. that's That'll be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Let's have a prayer, I think, as we close off. Dear Lord, our loving Heavenly Father, the kingship, the anointed one, Help us to acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ as the overall King of the whole universe, the Anointed One, the Chosen One, and we want to place our lives once again under His rule and authority. Bless your servant who has joined us in book by book over these past six studies. Bless her and her husband, David. Bless him in his music ministry. Bless Nancy, in her speaking and Bible teaching ministry, mm-hmm. and in the authorship of her various books. Mm-hmm. And we ask, dear Lord, that we may have the opportunity soon of meeting you again. Through Jesus Christ, our anointed King and Lord. Amen. Amen. Join us again another time. We look forward to being with you.